This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, I hope everyone is doing okay. Baruch Hashem, we are Ben Kasele Asor before Yom Kippur. And Hashem gives us a limited amount of time until Sukkot. As a matter of fact, the, the, the uh, period of time between Yom Kippur and Sukkot is like, is like days of, of, um, of holiness to make sure that we don't get involved in anything of Averot. We have very short amount of time to build our Sukkah and to buy Arbat Aminim. That way we enter the Chag, Bikdusha Bitahara. That is the, uh, that is the purpose of these days. That's why the Torah Kedoshah gave us such a limited amount of time. And one of the, one of the very dear mitzvot that we have is buying arbata minim la mehadrin. Buying beautiful arbata minim. The Zohar Kadosh writes, I said this over this morning, that the Zohar Kadosh writes that somebody who takes arbata minim that are free, chinam, no money, he didn't pay for them, so he's actually He's actually uh, pulling from the klipot, from very bad sources, and uh, and and these arbata minim do not have kedusha v'tarom. There's a special inyan to spend money on the arbata minim. I know we always try to get the cheapest of everything, but not when it comes to mitzvot. When it comes to mitzvot, you have to spend money, and arbata minim is no less. The the sefer uh, uh, the, the kafachayim palaji writes in Moed Kol Chaisiman Chav Gimel that somebody who spends money to, to buy Arbat Aminim, and not in order to show off to his friend, rather for the mitzvah, he will end up on having uh, children that are tzaddikim, because Lul, and he's going to have ch- children who live with Kedusha Betara, because Lulav is gematria chayim. So that's what the, 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 the Kafachayim Palaji writes. And that's why the, the Shulchan Aruch discusses, if you bought a, a, an etrog that is small and you want to buy a nice big one, a beautiful one, so you should spend a third more. You should spend a third more. Now sometimes the Etrog, the Etrog market tries to play around and make it a monopoly to jack up the prices. I recently saw from the great rabbi of Morocco, his name is Rabbi Rafael Ankawa, from the city of Saleh, I believe Siman Sadi if he writes over there about a certain group of people in Casablanca that paid off the governor governor of the region of Tarudant, which is where the Etrogim in Morocco grow, that they should have only the rights. So that way they have a cartel over there. It's called the Etrog Cartel. And they, they, they were able to jack up the prices. And uh, I give a little sheer on it on Torah any time. And they were able to they were able to control the market. Rabir Falankawa said, no problem. He made a, they made a rule, the Rabbanim in Morocco made a rule, one itrog per place. And everybody has to be partner in that one itrog per place. Reminds me of the Holy Rebbe, the, 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 of the Ger Rebbe, the Leif Simcha, saw that people were, uh, that the, the, the market for strimals became very expensive. So he called up the strimal maker, he told them, if you don't lower your prices, I'm walking into the Bet Knesset this week with an up hat. No more strimal. That ended the, that the end of the strimal uh, inflation on the spot. Okay, so, but in order to understand 
and to get the proper mitzvot for the itrog, we have to know, we get very confused when we go out on the street, we see in Pico, everybody's selling different types of itrogim, itroge Eretz Yisrael, itroge Teiman, itroge Morocco, itroge Chazonish, and not Chazonish. What does this all mean? And does it really make a difference? As long as I buy something that has an itrog, and it has Hebrew writing on it, it should be okay, right? What's the big deal? What's the problem? So that's what I want to I want to learn with you uh, today. Uh, do, we, do we have, do we have uh, one of those sheets, Pastor? Uh, thank you, thank you, Baba. Yes, thank you. An old friend of mine. So, so, what, what is what is the exact um, what what is the exact story behind what it took to buy? And I'll try to cover as much as I can and give you some practical guidelines. We won't have time today to discuss all of the Arbat Aminim. And we're also not going to have time to discuss what this year is particularly important because we just came out of the Shemitah year. And there's going to be Itroge Eretz Yisrael that come, that, that, that come with a bunch of questions that have to do with Shemitah. And many people this year will avoid buying Itroge Eretz Yisrael because they don't want to get into those issues. I'm not going to get into that whole discussion now. That's going to be another Shi'ur. That's going to be one of the rabbis over here is going to... Uh, is going to be able to give you a shear. I'm going to strictly be speaking about something that you could be, have a practical, a practical, um, uh, uh, application to every year, which is what itrogim are kasher. So, how do we know, how do we know what's called an itrog? So the Gemara Masichet Sukkah discusses in Daflamid, hey, pri tanura banan pri hadar, it's shetam etso upiryo shave have omer ze etrog. What is a an etrog? Something that its tree is similar to its fruit. Okay, what does that mean exactly? Tree is similar to its fruit. The Maram ben Khabib, one of the great acharonim, says in the Sefer Kapot Marim that the only fruit that is really similar to its tree is the is the etrog because the etrog is mostly it's rind, it's mostly it's peel. And that's the, it, that's the, the tree also has its bark that way. So that, that's the similarity to it. It's not really the fruit. That's the Maram bin Khabib and we'll, we'll see how that's relevant to the So the Gemara says maybe etrog is peel maybe it's some types of, uh, of, of, of peppers that those dried pepper balls because they also, they also have the same taste as the tree. So the Gemara says, no, it has to be etz ma'achal, shavit, uh, in other words, the Gemara says that, what are you going to do? You're going to take a little uh, pill pill and you're going to shake it? It's not going to be able to be done. So the Gemara says, Lekicha, you have to have a proper Lekicha. So the Gemara goes into differently mudim. One thing you see clear from this Gemara, that it's not giving you clear, clear guidelines on what's called an etrog or what's not called an etrog. And the Ritva says that... Obviously, the Gemara is only trying to tell us uh, remazim that are written, but the main kashrut of an etrog, listen closely, the main kashrut of an etrog is determined by tradition, misora midor ledor. The Holy Chatam Sofer says in Teshuvot or Achaim Siman Reish Zayin that the kashrut of an etrog is the same thing as the kashrut of a bird. How do we know, how do we know which birds are kashet and which birds are not kashet? It's also according to tradition. 
That's why some people don't eat turkey because they say, well, we don't have a tradition on turkey. That's why some people won't eat, uh, you know, different, uh, different birds. I had the recent zikhut of doing shiluach akin in my house and shiluach akin has to be done with a kosher bird. So there was a sparrow that came. So is that, you could only, could you do a shiluch akin with a sparrow? In Morocco, we had a, we had a tradition that sparrows are kosher. Not so much meat on it, if you tell you, those little, those little birds over there that don't, those little brown birds. Not so much meat on them, but they're kosher birds, as the, at least in regards to Shiluah Haken. I have a lot of stories about that, Shiluah Haken. Anybody who wants a segula for children, come and see me afterwards. So, the, 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 the concept of etrog, as the Khatam Sofer writes, it has to be something that has a masoret, that has a tradition from generation to generation. What's interesting is that there's Shelotu Chuvot Arama, and I, I, I brought it down in the Mishnah Bura. Thank you for making it so organized over here, Chazaku Baruch, that in the Mishnah Bura, he has a very long discussion that the number one requirement that you have to have for an itrog is that it should be an itrog. Right? It's a good idea. If you want to, if you want to be yotze with etrog, you have to make sure it's an etrog and not a lemon. Not a lemon. It's like the, it's like the people are very, very, very careful on Rosh Hashanah not to eat egos. Why? Because it's gematriachet. So the Kutzker Rabbi says, you know what else is gematriachet? That you have to stay away from on Rosh Hashanah? Yes. Chet. That's also a bad thing. So. You know, it's sometimes the basic. You have to go to the basic. The basic is the itrog. You have to have an itrog. Now, how do you know what's an itrog? The number one thing, you have to make sure it's not grafted. Now, you're going to say, okay, why would you think that it's grafted? An itrog tree in nature is very weak. There's a certain microbe, there's a certain type of bacteria called malesco that will attach itself on, especially to citrus trees and to itrog trees, to the point that, to the point that these etrog trees are mostly, most of them in history have been grafted. Most of them in history have been grafted. Nowadays we'll see what happened. I, uh, Rav David Feinstein, Zechar Tzadik said that when he would go shopping with his father, Rav Moshe Feinstein in the Lower East Side to look for an etrog, most of the selling of the etrog that happened was grafted etrogim. You shouldn't think that they're not common. They were all they were all common. That's what they had. And only the Rabbanim that were more Yiddish Shamayim that, that 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 were careful about this went to certain places where they would find Itrogim that weren't grafted. Rav Brevde, one of the big tzaddikim as well, says he remembers in his days in Eretz Yisrael, almost all Itrogim were grafted. You really had to look very hard for Itrogim that weren't grafted to the point that that the Chazonish was one of the pioneers in really finding, uh, looking out and finding and researching uh, etrogim that wouldn't be grafted. So it's not a simple matter. Uh, maybe 70, 80, 90 years ago, most etrogim were grafted. Rav Ovadia Yosef was, when he was a young Avrech, was a, was a Rav in, in, in Egypt, in 1947 actually. It was my, my, my wife's grandfather was one of the, one of the heads of the community that brought him in there. And he, he, he mentions that during the Israel and Egyptian war, they were in tense times, they had a whole shipment of Itrogim that came and from Eretz Israel, and the Egyptian government didn't allow it. No way. They stopped it. So the, the Egyptian community didn't have Itrogim. They have a lot of love in there, but they didn't have Itrogim. 
Yeah, they are from El Arish. They have a lot of lulavim, but they don't have Yitzrogi. So he, they didn't know what to do. Finally, they got them. And there's a whole question that is the the owners gave up. So do they do they get them? But he said they were they were suffix grafted all the Yitzrogim. So he had to write a whole teshuvah to, to permit these Yitzrogim. Maybe you say a double suffix, suffix, suffixah. There, there, there was um, there was an Eretz Yisrael also a lot of a lot of grafting with uh, with citrus fruits. Some people grafted with a with with a with a branch called the Chashkush branch, which they felt is not a problem because it's not a fruit tree. It's a Elon Srok. It's like it's a it's a tree that doesn't get fruit, so that's allowed to graft. Etrog trees are very weak and need to be grafted in order to succeed. And people who have money agenda at the forefront of their of their agenda will justify that etro, that grafted etrogim are okay. The Rama had to write a tshuva about this. The Rama in it wrote a tshuva about this whether etrog trees are okay or not, and he says whether grafted, I'm sorry, is okay, and and why would grafted be no good? So I mean, there's a sefer Levush who's one of the students of the Rama. He says. If an Avera was done to it, it's a mitzvah ba be'avera. You shouldn't use that for a mitzvah. Others say, you're, you're holding half a lemon. Half a lemon and half an etrog. You can't make a bracha on that. So there's different reasons why etrog would be no good. So the Mishnah brings from the Shilotu Tshuvot of the Ramah, in the name of the Marami Padve, three different reasons, three different, I'm sorry, um, signs, how to know if an etrog is murkav or not. The first is if the if it's very smooth, then you know it's murkav. Etrogim usually have bumps. Number two, if it's murkav, usually the stem is sticking out; it's not indented. Murkav is grafted, right? It's it, it's 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 sticking out. It, but if it's if it's indented, it's not murkav. And the third is that if inside the etrog, it's got a lot of juice. And a lot of fruit, like a lemon, that's a lemon. It walks like a lemon, tastes like a lemon, it's a lemon. So you open it up and you see that it has a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of pulp to it, that's murka. That's the simanim that the Ramah brings down. Now, we said that from the Ridva and the Gemara, it doesn't seem to be that way. From the Gemara it seems to be, they say, what's an etrog? Something that's similar to the tree. It doesn't really say more than that. And the Ritva says it's something that's by tradition. The Khatam says something by tradition. So why do we have all these simanim? So the answer is these simanim are just to help you identify. But it's, it's, it's just a siman ladavar. But it's not the deciding factor of what's more cover or not. Let me give you an example. By the Moroccan etrog, a lot of them don't have seeds. And there are some poskim say that an etrog has to have some seeds to it. But the the the, the expert uh, agricultural experts will tell you that there's a lot of citrus uh, groves that some in that grove some will have seeds and some won't. It just matters on the pollinization and where the bees want to go and, and and how how that's going to happen. So the sibanim are not like uh, the final, the final, final word on everything. They help you identify what an itrog is. You know, if you're going to take something that's very smooth, has a lot of pulp, and it doesn't look like an itrog, that's a problem. 
You know, some people buy a, they show me around, but what do you think about this etrog? It's like a banana. You know, it's like, it goes like that. <laughs> I say, oh, it's, it's nice, but you know, etrog has a certain shape to it. It's got, you know, the pitons on top and the okits on the bottom. It has bumps to it. It's, it, it has a certain shape to it. I'm not saying a banana etrog is pasul, but there's, there's certain characteristics that, 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 that you know what's an etrog. There was nimsarlit midorador. Okay, so far so good. So let me give you some practical, some practical guidelines how to, how to decide what's an etrog. So I, I first, before I do that, I want to mention, I did bring down that in the Sefer Chazon Ovadia, Rav Ovadi Yosef, Ilchot Sukkot, Pedresh Lamedalit, he brings some poskim that because of the situation, there were so many grafted etrogim, they had to permit grafted etrogim. They had to permit. They said that, um, that, that based on what the Maram ben Habib that I mentioned earlier says that what's called an etrog, an etrog is something that its bark is similar to its fruit. So if you're gonna find a, a etrog that is mostly bark, which is mostly, um, peel, so that's enough to say that it's okay. Even if it's murkav, but it has a siman of an etrog. They took the Gemara literally. When the Gemara says, it's shepiryov, it's so if it has that qualification, it's okay. It's a great Gaon, the Sabah Kadisha, the Marash Alfandri, he has a Teshuvah, and he permits etrogim that are mukavim b'shat if you have no choice. So because of that, well, that was one of the reasons Rav Avadir said he had no choice to permit these introgim. He said, maybe, Meshat al-Chak, you have no choice. He said, otherwise, you have to stay away from anything that's called an etrog murkav. It's really not the proper thing. All the poskim spoke out against it. But just to give you a little bit of the background of the debate, there, there, there was, there was a debate regarding, um, regarding these etrogim. There's etrogim that came from, from Corfu. That were also, they, they were grafted. And, and the poskim had no choice but to find a way how you could be mutter these etrogim because otherwise people, people wouldn't have etrogim. Oh, yes. No. One of the, one of the hidurim, the Sefer Tiferet Yisrael writes, five different hidurim that you should have in an etrogim. One of them is bumps. Bumps is nice. Bumps is important. The more bumps, the nicer. Now, it's okay. You'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be there. You'll be okay. It'll be fine. You'll survive. <laughs> That's the first time I ever heard what Ezra said. It's not, not going to be comfortable. It sure will be comfortable. What do you mean? You, you could grab onto it better. You could hold onto it better. It's not going to slip. It's not going to slip. <laughs> no, because it's a lemon otherwise. What do you mean? It's too smooth. It's a problem. Is there a problem? Ezra, he's asking this because he prays him again. But we have a long tefillah sometimes, so he's like, "Oh, I have to hold it so long." <laughs> yeah. Okay, but yeah, it's better grip. You have a better grip. Yeah, it's sturdy. It's a beauty. It, it, there's a beauty to it. There's a beauty to it to the bumps. Okay, let me discuss. Let me discuss now. So now we have on the market a lot of different etrogim. What do all these names mean? Let me give you a quick rundown what all these names uh, mean. Number one, should you buy an etrog with a pitam or one without a pitam? On one hand, every time you buy a pitam, your kid breaks it or, you know, it gets ruined and then, and you don't know what to do. And you have a lot of etrogim without a pitam. So what should you do? Should you buy one with a pitam or not? So there's a sefer called, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, a rush. In back of the Gemara, the Rosh says the following. I'll read you his language. 
The Roshan Masechet Sukkah Peragimel Sukkah Simatet Zayin writes, Nitla Pitmato Pasul. It says in the Mishnah, if the Pitam fell off, it's Pasul. We all know that. Growing up as kids, the Pitam falls, you're finished. It's Chaser. Nothing to do about it. Okay, it could be on the second day or whatever. Ask your rabbi. I'm saying, without a Pitam, it's not a good etrog. Right? Now, the, the, the Rosh writes, listen to this, Etrogim Shelo Haya Pitma Mitchilat Briatam Kesherim Hem. Etrogim that don't have a pitam from the beginning of their creation is kasher. Okay? Now, anybody who knows anything about etrogim will know that our etrogim we all have on the market all had a pitam when they were on the tree. And at some point it fell off. And that's what you have in the market. Etrogim that you have on the market nowadays without a pitam are, should be etrogim that do not that, that grew and don't anymore have a pitam because while it was on the tree the pitam fell off because if it fell off after it was plucked you're in a big problem and big experts how know how to tell that's you know when I, I was I'll tell you a story when I when, uh, what, in Eretz Yisrael when I was in Avreich what it meant for me after Tzom Gedalia until uh until uh, Sukkot, I would be by the great rabbi, just sitting watching them, checking it, Rogim, everybody would bring them. And these great rabbis knew how to tell. Usually it's an indented ring. So I learned the whole science of it. I was all excited. Uh, where's Josh? I, I was all excited. I moved to Westwood 2005. I say, all these people can ask me about it, Rogim, and now I have the expertise to be able to answer. Nothing. Maybe I'll stand by the corner of Beverly, Beverly Glen in Santa Monica by the Walgreens there. Somebody will answer the questions and ask the questions there. Nothing. So I learned to realize that Los Angeles is not Eretz Yisrael. So that's it. But, but in Eretz Yisrael, the Rabbanim, there's big experts and they, they know how to tell what's called indented and what's not called indented. And, and, and uh, it's usually, there's a ring around it, there's a few simanim, there's a great expert called Rav Heller from Yerushalayim that, that he has a masora, how, how it would have been, uh, how, how you, uh, you could tell what is, what is called an etrog, uh, an etrog that's pitam fell off or not. So, here you have etrogim that are, that are, um, that are, are, um, are, are, are without a pitam. The Rosh says, if you read the Rosh, it says, it's no good. Because it had to be there, mitchilat briyatan. It had to be there from the beginning of, of, of time. It had to have no pitam. Rav Chaim Pinchas Scheinberg, another Rav called of Bronzdorfer, because of that, they wouldn't use an itrog without a pitam. They would only use an itrog with a pitam because of this rosh. Most poskim say no. Itrog without a pitam is okay. What the rosh means is that it, it never had it while it was plucked off. But while it was plucked off, it had it. That we all know. Chilat Briato means once it became a real etrog. So, and there's all types of questions. If it fell after a third, if it fell while it's, while on the tree, Limaseh the poskim armatia the etrogim that don't have pitams nowadays because they fell off from beforehand. But it's a question. There's definite, I think at least, there's a definite hidur to buy an etrog with a pitam. But you can't tell anybody who says not that way. A lot of poskim say no, a pitam without an etrog, uh, an etrog without a pitam is totally fine. So you follow your rabbi what they say on that. Now, so you go to the store, okay, so let's say you want an etrog, pitam or not pitam. What are you looking for? So there's something called the chazonish etrogim. What does the chazonish etrogim mean? Chazonish grew etrogim. 
Chazonish, as I mentioned, was very concerned of the situation going on in Eretz Yisrael. That there was, there was a great rub in Eretz Yisrael. That there was rumors that he permitted grafting. That he permitted grafting with lemon. And the Chazonish has letters with him. How could that be? And he writes about this in his sefer that, that also the chashrush, is it okay? Chazonish, there were some poskim that say you're allowed to graft with Etrogim that were grafted already. And the Chazonish was against it. So he felt he has to do something about the situation. So he went to Tzfat and he, he, he knew so much. He had such a knowledge of, of, of botany and everything that had to do in the world. We're talking about the Chazonish over here. He determined there were certain Etrog trees that were for sure okay. And, and he gave to Rabbi Yudh Levkevich, the, the Rosh Yeshiva of Panovich, and he planted and he made growth from it. There's Etrogim trees in California, in Los Angeles, in, 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 in all over that, that, that people have Chazonish Etrogim because of those seeds. So that is, that is where the Chazonish Etrogim come from. And many, many in Eretz Yisrael will use Chazonish Etrogim only because of that. That's one school of thought. Then you will have Teimani Etrogim. Teimani Etrogim uh, are endorsed that the Teimani Rabbanim feel that it has a tremendous masor. At the beginning, the Chazonish was also very into Teimani Etrogim because he felt that you can't graft them the way that they are. They can't be grafted until afterwards he found that you could graft them with the Chashush tree. So he didn't like them so much, but uh, he didn't say not, but he, then he got more into his Etrogim. But, 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 but a lot of the Sephardic Poskim endorsed the Teimani Etrog. Endorse the Teimani Etrog because they, it doesn't have a pita most of the time. It doesn't have a pitam and not all of them are always clean. They're not always easy to find clean. They're harder to have clean, but you pay enough money, you could have everything. So the Teimani Etrog has a very strong tradition to it. And to my knowledge, there's nobody that's come, on and come out and say it's no good. So if you buy a Teimani Etrog with a proper Hechsher, you're in good shape. And not only that, most of the Timani Metrogim are, 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 are in Eretz Yisrael. So what you says, you have, a, you have an extra advantage of supporting Eretz Yisrael. Now there's the Moroccan Etrogim. The Moroccan Etrogim have a, have a very long history about it. I have actually a whole booklet over here that discusses where it came from. Originally, it's in a, it's in a, it's in a remote area next to the city of Agadir in Tarudan. There was great Mikubalim in Tarudan that are mentioned already in the Mishnabura. Very, uh, very great Mikubalim. We're talking about the 1500s, 1600s. And all the Geonit Sadikim of Morocco for generations. I'm sure the, the Geonim that you heard about is the Orachaim Akadosh and, and his students and, uh, and, and uh, this is just one of the many, many, many Geonim all used the Moroccan Etrog because, and, and, and there was people in later generations that started saying, hey, they don't have seeds and how do we know where it comes from? So in 1995, Rebel Yashiv, sent out a special delegation to Morocco together with a person, professor called Professor Eliezer Goldschmidt to find out what's going on with the Itrogim of Morocco. And they came back with the report that it was literally impossible to be able to graft these Itrogim because they are, they are in a, they are, they are an area that, that if you would graft them, they would lose three years of their productivity. They, nobody wanted to do that. Plus, they don't have anything to gain from it because they grow healthily on their own. On top of that, the Malesco, um, the Malesco bacteria is not found in Morocco at all. It's very, uh, it's very, uh, it's very uncommon to have the Malesco bacteria in, in Morocco. And, and it was, it was untouched there for generations and generations. After this, Professor Goldschmidt brought a whole report, and there's a rough called Riva Frati, one of the students of Verbal Yashif, as well as, 
as well as as well as uh, other Talmidei Chachamim that were there, they decided they were machlit that this is a a a, a proper a primate drug. Rav Yashar would make a brach on it. The Briska Rav would make a brach on it. Many people, many go the Bikurei Yaakov as, as far back as the same Bikurei Yaakov writes about the Kashrut and the beauty of the Etrogim Morocco, and they they it became especially nowadays something that has a very very strong Cheskat Kashrut to it, a very strong Cheskat. Plus they have pitams. Plus they have pitams. So many people um, opt for uh, Moroccan Etrogim. The problem that you have to look out for is Etrogim. There is a lot of Etrogim quote unquote Eretz Yisrael. Sometimes when you grow up, you say, hey. How do you know if something's kosher or not? You look for Hebrew writing on it. No, that's not how you do it. Just because it has Hebrew writing does not mean it's kosher. As a matter of fact, it could be less kosher because there's a lot of problems with Turmot and Ma'asrot and Orla. Eretz Yisrael has a lot of halachot to it and a lot of hechshirim that you think in Eretz Yisrael are okay are not okay at all. Are not okay at all. And Etrogim are no different. I can't talk about names, definitely not in public. But there are things being sold in Pico that definitely, according to the Chazonish and others, are considered Morkav. They're called Morkav. And uh, I can't say too much more than that. The, 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 uh, there are Etrogim that have proper, reliable Hechsherim to them. But if you're going to go to a place and you're buying an Etrog without a Hechsher, and they just tell you it's a beautiful etrog. Of course, beautiful etrog. If you're going to be, if you're going to put enough uh, additives and harkava to it, of course you're going to come up with a beautiful etrog. And 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 it's coming out to be a proper etrog. I'm telling you that uh, that if you would do that, if you would do that with your car, just buy a a car by a random used sales car dealer with a plaid suit and the big bow, the big suede bow tie, like, yeah, it's no problem, it's a car, so you can buy that etrog as well. Or if you go buy a mezuzah by anybody, and somebody just brought me a mezuzah, it was like chicken scratches. Like, I don't know what they, they just got ripped off, the poor people. Just, they ripped them off. If you, if you do that, then that's what you might end up with. You buy an etrog, you spend money on it, either you buy a, a chazonish, or you buy a Moroccan, or you buy a Taymani, or there's other brands that are known for their kashrut, and they have a proper rub that's telling you, this has a hechshir, you're okay. Don't buy something random. And maybe because of the price it's enticing, I understand. But there is a inyan that there are certain things you spend money and you get for what you pay for. So that's more or less an overview of Etrogim. Be'ezrat Hashem, we should have all a chakasher b'sameach. And be'ezrat Hashem, to be mekayim this mitzvah, this beautiful mitzvah. Be'hidura, amen kinyaratzon. I also didn't mention that the Italian Etrogim already mentioned by the, the Khatab Sofer, that they are known, that all of Arzot Ashkenaz use the Calabari, the Calabria, what Lubavitch uses, these have, these have a tremendous Cheskat Kashrut to them, they've been known for generations that they've used them, and they're wonderful Etrogim as well. Yeah, I didn't mention that one. Did I, did I, did I not mention any other Etrogim? I'm sure I haven't, but, uh, the, uh, you know, I can't go through everything, but yes, definitely that requires mentioning. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.